0: pro prep academy in partnership with the heroes in our midst podcast bring to you more than an athlete embrace your humanity to unlock performance this podcast aims to help athletes reach their potential in sport and life through learning from each other and sharing stories hi i'm michelle sawatsky coop and this episode is all about hockey. Actually, it's all about a pretty incredible human whose goal was to play hockey at the highest level. I would even say his drive to continue to strive for the NHL was relentless. So what happens if you strive for something in your life and you don't quite get there? If you ask Matt Bailey, I feel like he'd tell you that if you poured every ounce of your passion into everything that you did along the way, you'd be more than okay. Because you'd know you couldn't have done more. You gave everything you had, and in the process, you've learned how to throw your passion into everything you do, which is exactly what he's doing now. But before I tell you the whole story, get ready to learn from another hero in our midst, Matt Bailey. Matt and I met over Zoom, and the start of our conversation went back to his beginning and the role sport played in it all.
1: Yeah, obviously... uh sports has been pretty much my life and I would say uh, I was very much like every Canadian uh young male that you know hockey was just something you were going to try and uh, my dad was uh, into sports so I think early on uh my time with him was kind of spent uh, on his lap watching sports that's the kind of father figure he was he'd get home from work okay give me the kids I'll make them watch sports so I think from an early age yeah the love for sports probably came from my father and then uh as that kind of grew from what I'm told by my parents that I think it was like two years old was the first time they put me on skates and uh, I was just a very active kid wanted to play all sports so that was kind of what drove me and it was a uh, very similar to every kid so I think around three or four years old I would finally apparently asked my parents okay I'm ready to play hockey my dad said i ah, you're not quite ready I've seen you skate like you need to practice so I think they bought me some rollerblades and the agreement was is once you get good on these then maybe we could sign you up so there's a couple of years on the rollerblades and then uh at five years old my dad's like okay we'll, we'll sign you up for some community uh hockey and yeah and then from there uh it was pretty clear to me that that was kind of my favorite sport and I was gonna I mean my mom she would be the person in my life that, uh, she, I would say she was the dreamer. So she always encouraged in our household to, to have like, uh, written dreams. And we had dream boxes. So, um, that all came from my mom, the athletics and all that probably came from my dad. But, uh, I can tell you that, uh, very early on, she's like, okay, you like hockey. Okay. What do you want to do? And, uh, like every young Canadian, I said, oh, I want to play in the NHL. So. And my mom kept all those things. So it was kind of from an early age, it was like, okay, I want to, I want to be a hockey player and I'm going to do whatever it takes to do it. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how the the passion for hockey started.
0: It sounds like the perfect combination, you know, you know, the athletic ability, the dream, the dreaming concept was totally okay in your house. You were allowed to dream. You went big. The vision was NHL. Of course, there's always the path to get there and a lot of young hockey players already know what the path is. So did it look good early on? How did your path go? What was the trajectory for you?
1: Yeah. Early on, like it was something that I was really good at. Right. So I Mm -hmm. think that's like one of the things, you know, when I look back at like, well, why, why was I so into this? And I think when you reflect back, it, it kind of gives you that not social status, but also like it made you feel good about yourself. It's like, okay, here's something I'm good at. Right. People recognize me. Oh, he's good at that. Well, I want to keep doing that. Right. Like, obviously that's not what's going through your mind as a young kid. But I think when you look back, that's what kind of drove it and very much Canadian, like all your friends are doing it and you're like, okay, I'm pretty good at this thing. Let's keep this going and let's see where it goes. And then I would say as that went on, I was a smaller kid. So then I, I feel like I faced adversity probably around 12 or 13 years old because I started to be one of the smaller kids. So when I was kind of ahead, maybe in those early years, you know, I'd say the group of my peers kind of caught up to me. So uh, when I look back at that, that also kind of shaped who I am today. It was like, uh, okay, like I'm going to deal with this. I'm like, it's out of my control. You know, my mom's, I think five foot one and my dad's six, four. So, you know, am I going to be tall? Am I going to be big? Uh, but it's out of my control, you know, I'm going to just keep doing what I love and uh, be become the best that I could at it. And the next big moment is kind of like the WHL Bantam draft. So now I'm like, you know, 13 years old, this is kind of a, a big milestone for, for kids to kind of, okay, here's the measuring stick where you at. And I was still a very, very small kid and I was good for my age. I wasn't, I wasn't the best, but, uh, in the end, when I've looked back now, that was probably the best adversity I ever faced because I didn't get drafted and I wanted that so bad meant so much to me and it didn't happen. And I feel like that was the first time in my life that I was just like, okay, you know, I want this so bad. I'm not going to let that get in the way. So that was like the time that I was like, I know, I, I know I'm just as good as them and I can prove these people wrong. And I know I can make it like, so I think that was the first time that mindset belief portion of the, the whole picture came into like, okay, this is who Matt Bailey is. When I deal with adversity, I'm going to just find a way, you know? Um, So for me, I think that's kind of a a key moment in my life that uh, I went through that. I knew how I reacted to it. And it kind of drove me the rest of my hockey career. When anything happened, I kind of looked back to the, okay, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, what's going to keep moving me? So, yeah.
0: That's cool. Now tell me, I'm I'm sure some people listening are going, how small were you and how did you have such a resolve at that young age?
1: I don't know. I don't know how I had the resolve. I think it was just <laughs> like, I think that's kind of one of those things that like when you start finding yourself, I was just like, I knew how bad I wanted it. And I was like, I'm going to use this as motivation. I was, I knew like there was a good chance I was going to grow. Like I knew people in my family, they didn't go grow to like, you know, grade 11 or 12. And my dad was tall. So I was like, you know, that will come. And then uh, I ended up being like, I'm just over six feet tall. So I ended up growing. So it happened. But it, it's pretty cool, because it is one of those moments that uh, really kind of shaped my identity. So I look back at that memory is a yeah, pivotal point in not only Matt Bailey, the hockey player, but Matt Bailey, the person.
0: For sure. So what does a kid do when they don't get drafted at that age? Where do you go? What's the recourse? How did you keep pushing?
1: The thing is, is like in hockey, everyone, you know, grows at different times. And uh, at the end of the day, it's like, how good are you going to be when you're, you know, 20 years old? You know, like everyone gets to that at a different way. You know, some kids are more pro ready or more ready to make those jumps to junior at uh, different times. And everyone's development's different. So what I've always told uh, you know, kids or families that I've ever talked to. And what my parents told me is just like, you just got to find a way to make it to that next level. Like, what are you doing? Are you outworking everyone? Like, what are you, what are you going to do? And then I think the biggest thing is just the belief that you'll find a way at the end of the day, it just comes down to like, do you want, how bad do you want it? How much are you willing to give up? And do you really believe you can find a way to get there? So for me, it was like, I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of is I'm, you know, very optimistic person that, you know, I might not have the answer today or it might be a bad day, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. You know, like, I think that uh, that mindset kind of helped me in my hockey career that I just, I believed if I surrounded myself with uh, the right people, like people like uh, uh, Leslie Tugood and uh, Jeff Wood and the AJ Zieglins and all these trainers and, Dave Cameron's and all these skating coaches. I've had so many real great people in my life. So many good coaches um, that gave me great advice. And I just surrounded myself and came from two uh, amazing parents that just gave me all the support that I needed. And yeah, really never pushed me. It was all me. Like the drive always came from me, but uh, yeah, gave me absolutely every opportunity to chase my dream. So I owe a lot of it to to my parents and uh, the team of people I had like beside me.
0: Yeah. Even from the people you listed, I mean, you're talking about your, you know, your mental health and and your physical stuff off the ice too. And I think that's getting better and better. I think that's more, you know, young players and families are more aware and there are more opportunities for that. But, um, was that unique? Like what, what age were you when you figured I got to take care of every side of me mentally, physically, obviously on the ice skills and all that. Can you remember, like, how old you were when you maybe even started talking about mental wellness and sports psychology and doing that kind of thing on top of your game?
1: So I'd say the the physical aspect probably came first, but uh, I would say right around that same time of like that banner draft. So I'd say around 13 years old, I started working with a trainer. I'd say 13, I started working with a trainer, and. Uh, I always went to these uh, skating camps, uh, Edge of Excellence. It was the the top skating camp kind of at the time. This is kind of a funny story, but it just shows how bad I wanted it. There's this really cool uh, video that they were promoting. It was going to be kind of like a hockey academy. It was called The Pursuit of Excellence. Mm -hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, that marketing pitch on this little 13-inch TV that they had at that camp It sold me so bad and I never wanted anything more in my life. So it was around that age. I'd already been working with like a trainer. I was like, okay, I want this. And I remember, you know, being 13 years old and asking your parents, you know, Hey, can I move to Kelowna to go to this camp and, or go to this, you know, program, which was 10 months long. You had to move away from home. You'd be on the ice every day, working with strength coach. And then they were already working in the mindset piece. Like David Roy was uh, very much into that, you know, building people, not just hockey players. So I think that was kind of what sold my mom on it. So uh, in my household, my mom would kind of coach us on how to sell my dad. So she said the best way to get your dad to let you go, because I had my mom convinced. She's like, okay, this kid wants it. So I remember she's like, okay, you got to go up to your room and write 50 reasons why you want this. So I had to write out the 50 reasons why this would be, you know, so good for my development. And yeah, in the end uh, it took my mom and my grandma to convince my dad that this kid really wants it. Why are we going to deny him? So uh, yeah, ended up, that was kind of the next big growing up and stepping stone in my hockey career. Cause uh, when I look back at that, it was the first time, you know, you leave home. Now you're living in someone else's house. You realize that not every family is like your family. Parents are different. Not everyone parents the same. So you grow up really quick. Right. And, uh, obviously I'm getting to, to play the game I love every day and I have great mentors there and good people surrounding me there. And you know, you're chasing your dream. So very fortunate. I got that. And again, that was something that I look back. It wasn't so much the hockey coaching I got there, but the life experience was like, okay, now, you know, I've had all those experiences and it made me grow up really quick. And, uh, it also, you know, gave me a lot of that life perspective of that's so important. That uh, it's one of those things that sports gives you. It gives you a, a different view of life and families, and it's the cool thing I think about. Like, uh, you know, at the junior level, you do billeting, and it's a it's a big part of uh, my story coming up of the different billet families uh, mm. I lived. In, so. That was uh, kind of the next big milestone.
0: Well, you were super young moving away from home then. I think some some families, I mean, I think a lot of families, when they have a talented kid on their hands with a lot of drive, that's a huge question. Should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? Is it worth the money? Is it worth the time? Is it worth the separation? You've just given us a bunch of reasons without writing out 50 of them, but a bunch of reasons why that was actually a good thing for you. I think when we think of our kids moving away for sport, it's just about the sport, but you've just told us, that actually you doing that taught you so much about life. So you were that young and, and did you, did you do that every year where you sort of, did you go through high school out in BC or, or lead us further in your story?
1: Yeah. So no, I just did it the one year. So okay. I, uh, I went to Kelowna for the one year and it was an amazing experience, loved everything about it. And then, uh, I came back home and then I played, uh, two years at home. And then the next time I kind of moved away from home was, uh, When I was 16 years old, I ended up getting the opportunity to play Junior A with the the Nipah Natives. That was like kind of my next life experience of, I wasn't far from home like the first time, but uh, I'd already done it before. So I think for a lot of 16-year-olds, that's kind of the first time they're going through that, right? Mm -hmm. So I already had been through that, so I was pretty pretty confident going that. And then the next biggest thing is I just... Like I hit the lottery with the, the family that was given to me and just an amazing family, uh, the Pasoistis and still keep close contact with them. And yeah, when you look back at those billeting experiences, it's, uh, not all the families are, uh, you know, maybe the, the best experience, but I've been really fortunate that I always had good families. They made it so easy and uh, supported me and treated me like family. But at the same time, they're not your parents So you're still like, okay, you know, you need to make your own decisions. They care about you, but they're not your parents, which is nice. After that, then I actually uh, went to the U.S. So then I played uh, for the Tri-City Americans. So this was obviously farther from home. Uh, And then I played two years in the USHL. So the first year I was in Tri-City. And again, I was lucky to have... uh, two different billet families that year. And uh, the one billet family was the only reason uh, I was able to go because I was in grade 12 and I needed a teacher to proctor all my exams. So bless my parents. They did their homework and talked to the team and figured out how can we make sure that, you know, Matt's going to uh, graduate and get his schooling done. And if you look into the mind at uh, you know, a hockey player at that age, let's just say uh, hockey's first school second, so i think that also was like a big learning experience and probably hard on my parents because they had to do some uh, hey matt uh, are you doing your assignments or are you getting that done so that was also a challenge but uh yeah they they willed it into existence my parents did a lot of work to make that happen and uh yeah i had a really good experience playing there and then the next year i i went to sioux falls and again just an, another amazing family, and they were so good to me. And it was like this family had uh, two young kids, and it was they were a bit younger than me, but it was like they were like brother and sister to me, and they treated me so well. And uh, just such a great organization, Sioux Falls, great town, uh, close to home. And uh, at that point in my hockey career, I already knew I committed to play for the University of Anchorage, Alaska. So. I was kind of rounding out my game with uh, the plan of going there uh, when I was nineteen, so up until that point, I, it was cool because you know i 'm playing uh, high level hockey uh, in the USHL I had lived with four different families now i 've seen you know four different families how they raise their kids what 's important? Do they have family dinner together? You know How do they do that? How do they parent um, I've got many different coaches i've learned their coaching styles. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just all those experiences, uh, really kind of shaped me and also living in the U S you know, you're living in a different country. And so all those things were really cool. And now I've already like started seeing a lot of the world and I'm only, uh, 17 years old. So it's been, uh, pretty cool up until that point.
0: Okay. So you're, you're doing all this moving around Were you, was there ever a moment where you went, Hmm is this hockey worth it? Maybe I could just be a normal kid, you know, be in one high school, graduate with my buddies, that kind of thing. Or was that already kind of not happening in terms of how young you were when you started to do all your moving?
1: I think that just like, because I moved away so early, that just kind of like all my friends and family, like, okay, Matt's, you know, Matt's going for this hockey thing. Like this is what it's going to be. Like again, like lucky to have such good friends and family and even my high school to be able to accommodate and, you know, work with me to make sure that I did obviously graduate high school. And uh, I knew when I would got like would come home, like I missed my friend group and stuff, but it was just all part of the process. I knew it was like something that I had to do to, to keep pushing me in my hockey journey, to, to keep making it to that next level.
0: I love it. Okay. So in every sport, there comes a time where the dream is always there, the dreams there, but there sort of comes a time in sport where are you still on the path to that end goal? Like, Mm -hmm. so in hockey, sometimes, you know, you, you see a kid and they go, oh, well that kid is now playing junior this long. Yeah. NHL kind of out of the picture for him or right. Oh, he's just going to go NCAA eh, NHL is not going to happen, but this is really cool. Where was that end dream? Was it still in place for you at this point?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like that's, That belief that I could make it never really wavered. I was never like the best of my age group almost at any time. I would say, you know, maybe from five till seven years old I was, but then from that point on, you know, I was always good, but I wasn't the best. Right. So, and I was never the most uh, talented kid. I was just one of those kids that wouldn't be denied, you know, like I wanted it more. I was willing to, to do anything that anyone told me that, you know they thought i needed to be doing and obviously very fortunate i had the parents to to give me all those different opportunities we've already talked about um yeah. which which takes a whole family to kind of commit to that journey like not just a kid because it's 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 family decisions and i owe a lot of that to my parents uh and like even like choosing the college route i owe a lot of that to my dad because coming up from uh, a canadian kid i didn't know anything about you know u.s college um, so again, kind of lucky we played in a midget tournament, in North Dakota, and that weekend the Fighting Sioux were playing Anchorage, Alaska, where I ended up committing. Obviously, didn't know at that point, and naive Matt, it was like, oh wow, like this North Dakota Fighting Sioux, like this is the coolest hockey experience ever. This is what college hockey is like. Every college team is like North Dakota. Obviously, not true. So then when, you know, a couple of years down the road, when Anchorage, Alaska came and said, Hey, we'll offer you a full scholarship. I'm like, Oh, I actually like saw you guys play. And I was just like, yeah. And you know, obviously my dad did a lot of due diligence and we figured for me, it was like, I wasn't going to be that kid. That was uh, good enough to dominate at 16, 17 year old uh, in the dub. And I probably wasn't going to be ready to play pro hockey at 18. You know, I'm 16 years old when we're making kind of this, this decision to, choose the college route so I was lucky enough to to get a full scholarship offer when I was 16 which I would say is younger than most for me it was like okay like this is this college thing's cool I get more time to develop uh, my parents loved that I was going to get my education that was important to them yeah this this sounds good so I committed to them and that's when I knew I was going to be playing college hockey so that was kind of how that decision came to about
0: uh, and you know and what, what i'm hearing all the time is that the hard work never left you and the drive never left you and that taking that next step forward was always a part of who you right. are which obviously must have made you a leader on your team um yeah, and, and were you playing the same position all the way through your hockey c- career
1: yeah i mean i was always a forward i would like yeah. mostly was a uh, playing center i played uh, kind of later in my career, I played a lot of wing too, but I would say I was mostly a center, but definitely I accredit where I got to was definitely all my like belief that I could figure it out and yeah. my work ethic. So it's pretty cool that I made it as far as I did. Cause, uh, I think I became the best hockey player I could, let's just say I, I gave it everything I had.
0: I love that. So, so Alaska Jeepers, not a lot of people even get to Alaska ever in their life. So take us to Alaska. And then uh, what happened after that?
1: Anchorage, Alaska. It's funny when you tell people that it's always like (laughs) Anchorage, like that's so far and uh, couldn't say enough good things about the city of Anchorage. Love that. Loved it there. Such a beautiful city. If you love the outdoors, it's just heaven there. Uh, All the fishing, hiking, snowboarding, anything like outdoorsy, like that's like a top destination. And then from uh the whole experience side of it obviously it was huge that uh, I earned a a bachelor's degree in marketing and uh obviously got uh, the opportunity to develop four years and kind of round out as not only as a hockey player but as a person and take that next step for me which was big was uh I would say in high school and all throughout high school school was definitely secondary but uh I kind of found the the academic side and trying to be excellent at everything in my life in college. It was like, I think around my sophomore years, like, okay, you know, always taking the easy route and the quickest way to do things. You know, I'm starting to realize it was actually causing me more work than just doing it the right way the first time. So from a, you know, a personal development, that was kind of where I took those next steps as a person and uh, ended up, uh, becoming a pretty good student uh, at my time at Anchorage, Alaska and, you know, graduated with really good marks. And uh, then uh, my senior year, I uh, was lucky to have the best personal year, but also the best team year that the program ever had. The relationships I built uh, in my four four years there are super strong because the, the group of guys that we ended up like having that year with, it took like three years of like really coming together and working hard that you know we weren't we didn't have all the bells and whistles of some of the other programs you know we had the hardest travel we were in the best league in college hockey at the time which was you know the original kind of WCHA we were always the underdog and uh you know to me I kind of always saw myself as an underdog so then you have a group of guys that are also underdogs and it's like okay well, what do we want to do you know we have four years to kind of figure this out so I was super lucky that uh kind of my uh my my class of guys uh we we were really talented but also just did everything together and it in our senior year it kind of all kind of paid off for a bunch of us and yeah we, we had a fantastic year we made the final five it was the first time i think the team had ever had a winning record and uh i uh, was able to earn a nhl contract which was all obviously the goal from a young age and uh signed with the anaheim ducks so i knew at that point that uh I was going to get another chance at that, the next level. And uh, so, yeah, that was a pretty cool time in my life where I, I really grew as a person. Wow. So
0: when you sign with an NHL team and that moment happens, what was the moment for you?
1: Yeah, it was, it was obviously like an amazing moment. Like I, it it was tough because like in college, you know, your final game, you know, it's your senior year and you you don't sign while you're playing. Right. But you know, there's teams interested in you. So when that all happens, your season's over. So you have kind of like this, okay, college is done. This part of my life is done for a big chunk of my teammates. They're not going to that next level. Uh, And then obviously just absolute joy and happiness that, you know, you are, and uh, you got this amazing opportunity and it's kind of like your life, you know, goal. And it's kind of, it's it's happening at least you're taking that next step so I remember it was it was bittersweet but obviously just tons of excitement I remember sitting in a restaurant with my parents after the game once things calmed down and we knew we knew I'd be signing I had a couple offers and that I was going to get an NHL contract and that was just a pretty cool special moment with my parents that kind of all the hard work that I had done and all the money time and effort they put is like okay this was all kind of worth it you're you know you've made it this far and plus you know yeah you you graduated and you did all this like good for you so it was kind of validating at that point that like uh yeah it was all kind of worth it
0: i think as most people know even if we don't play hockey or you know i'm i'm not in the hockey world a whole lot but i i do know that you can sign an nhl contract and doesn't mean you're going to be on tv the very next week and uh playing and ron mcclain's gonna be talking about you Yeah. (laughs) What happened? What was the path for you? Plus this path already is different than some others, right? I mean, some young phenoms at 16, we hear them are, you know, getting drafted and all this stuff. And now you've gone the college route. You've taken this path. It's really gone well. The experiences and life experiences are great. You Mm signed the NHL contract. I think a lot of people would be curious what happens next.
1: So yeah, like definitely you alluded to like now you're in pro sports, right? So it's yeah. it's a whole other level of uh, competition. And uh, it's kind of like that funnel, you know, like at every level, it gets harder and harder and uh, new adversities and yeah, just more obstacles and you, you need to really step it up. So for me, it was... It all happened really quick. So, as soon as I was done, the thing is, I had already uh, knew I was going to sign. So, I flew back to Anchorage, Alaska, but I'd already signed. So, I knew I'd be going to play in Norfolk, which was uh, Anaheim's farm team. So, I flew from Michigan back to Anchorage, pack up all my stuff that I had for four years, go to Norfolk, like quickest turnaround ever. And then I was like right into playing pro hockey, right? So, you didn't have time to like think about it or it wasn't like, uh, you know, you had a summer to train and you're going. So I was right into playing pro games and I went to Norfolk and uh, yeah, had a really good experience, went to a good team. We were very close to the playoff line and we played, I think I played four or five games that we needed to play to make the playoffs. We made the playoffs, had a good run. You know, I was playing lots, was a big part of the team. So we, I think we won one round and then we lost in St. John's. So then I had like that first, like, okay, this is what the AHL is like. Okay. Like now I have this new measuring stick. Okay. You know, I played some games. I know what it's going to take, but like you said, like now this is like, okay, just cause you signed an NHL deal doesn't mean you're going to play NHL games. Right now. You're just a part, you know, you're just one of many guys that, you know, now you got to earn it again. Right. It's like restarting. Now you have a whole new coaching staff, management, a GM, an NHL head coach, an AHL head coach that you all have to impress. And I was in a draft pick, right? So, you know, they have all their draft picks and you're kind of a free agent. So you have kind of another layer of you really got to wow them. Yeah, coming into that first American League year, you know, I felt very confident that I was kind of ready. Then that season probably was one of the tougher seasons I ever had. Like I started the year really well, but I think at that pro level, this is the case where that final kind of happens. Like maybe you were the best player your whole career up to that point. You always got the opportunity. But then at the pro level, it's like, well, maybe you're not given that right away, right? Now you got to kind of earn that, right? So I wasn't given that. And uh, it was a tough year. We weren't good. We were a real old team. And yeah, a lot of adversity that kind of shaped me. And Just a whole nother level of maybe the coach doesn't love me. You you know, you got a lot of stuff running through your head, like they drafted you, but you're not a draft pick. I have two years to kind of impress them. First year doesn't go well. And uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. They weren't happy with me at the end of the year. And they, you know, they were telling me like, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're going to play in the American League next year. Like you're not pencil. This is what they said. They're like, we have our pen guys. You're in pencil. We can easily erase you. That was the end of the meeting. So it was like, not that I hadn't ever had anyone tell me I wasn't going to make it, but that's a whole nother level of like, okay, this is real. Like this isn't just, this is, you know, a job for money. This is a business for these guys. So it's a, it's a whole nother kind of animal. And then uh, again, it's just another moment in your career. Like, okay, what are you going to do with that? So I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to have the best summer of training. I think at that point I was already working with Adrian and uh, we had lots of talks about what it was going to take and. I was lucky that the team was moving from Norfolk to San Diego and uh, I was going to get a fresh start with a new coaching staff, which kind of gave me like a breath of fresh air and optimism and like, okay, these are new people, you know, I just need to earn my way. So yeah, that was kind of that experience. And then uh, I went to San Diego pretty much with the mindset that, you know, they weren't going to keep me like, there's no way I was making the American league team, obviously the NHL team wasn't even there was no way i was making that even though i was under contract but i probably had the best nhl camp couldn't have played better was so happy with it and uh it didn't matter like it was just like yeah you play your one preseason nhl game they send you to the american league and then now you're trying out for the american league team and the same thing lucky that dallas eakins was my head coach in san diego and uh, he's obviously the head coach at Anaheim now and he was a big mentor to me and uh, the way he believed the game is was he was going to give the people that earned it and uh, not a lot of coaches at that level, I would say get a ton of say in who's going to play a lot of that can come from GMs and management, but he had uh, enough resolve is that that's not how I do it. These kids got to earn it and that's the only way they're going to learn. So I was lucky that that kind of bought me enough time to really earn his trust. And it ended up being an amazing season for me. And kind of another part to that story was uh, I had probably my worst hockey injury that year, which actually changed the whole organization's mind that uh, who Matt Bailey was. So. I ended up having, I got a big elbow and I broke broke my jaw in like three different spots, uh, multiple face fractures, a hairline fracture in my neck. So it was pretty traumatic, but uh, luckily I came back and no one kind of expected me to play anymore that season. So that happened around Christmas time. Yeah, lucky that I had no head issues and I was actually able to, to return in six weeks, like two days after they took the all the wires out of my jaw and uh, that was kind of the turning point in my pro career where you know they're like wow this kid like you know he wanted it. he did everything he came back and then that gave me that opportunity too i think the other thing with the pro game is sometimes you're good enough but you don't get that opportunity sometimes you need luck so there's a couple injuries i was coming back i you know showed everyone that you know i was resilient i wanted it and i took advantage of guys being injured and i earned my my stripes at that level and uh, ended up playing a ton and really earning Dallas's trust and played my best hockey probably of my career. And uh, that kind of gave me that status. That, okay, now he's a good pro player. And uh, that's kind of what opened up uh, further doors down the road. But that was kind of that next big uh, adversity I faced and uh, how real the the business side of pro sports was.
0: Uh, now, you hear a lot of, about a lot of young hockey players crack in the professional ranks, right? You're playing pro sport, you're getting paid for it. They get caught up in a lot of the distractions and a lot of the things that money can buy and, and the lifestyle that you you live when you're a pro hockey player. Uh, you seem so focused and driven. Um, did you see some of that happening around you and what kept you on that path and still that, like, that steely focus to your goal?
1: Well, I definitely owe that uh, a lot to my parents, but definitely my wife. So I was lucky enough to, we weren't married at the time, but I had met my wife at grade 12. So she had already been a part of my journey and my career for a long time. She'd been with me since uh, I was playing in the USHL. So she was kind of always beside me to to keep me kind of grounded, and uh, also that part of my life was already stable, and I had a meaningful relationship in my life mm-hmm. that kind of allowed me to to just tackle the hockey aspect and really go after that. So I kind of had her grounding me, and also uh, giving me that life balance of like I always had. She was always the person that uh, you know when hockey sucked, she was able to okay, we're gonna go do something fun, and uh, such an important part of pro sports is you know having the people around you whether it's a, a spouse or a, a good friend or family that you know you have an escape and uh, to her credit she's a very adventurous person and outgoing and uh, very social so um you know when times were tough and i just wanted to stay home and not do anything she uh forced me to, to go out and really take advantage of all the amazing experiences we were having. So, you know, at this point, we've seen so many cities and been able to experience so many cool things. And, you know, I have this awesome woman planning all these activities for us uh, while I'm chasing my dream. So uh, I feel pretty lucky that, yeah, she kind of took the initiative to show me the world. Obviously, she was a big part of the journey.
0: So you're having a great time in the AHL. People are listening, going, okay, did you what happened? Did you, did you crack it? Did Matt Bailey, you know, put on that NHL Jersey for like, for real, where did it go next?
1: So my uh, two-year entry level contract was over after I had a, like a really good half a season after that, that injury and fully thought, okay, like I had done enough, at least in that half a season to show Anaheim, like, you know, I have some potential. This is why you signed me. Like, you know, maybe I wasn't as good the first, year. And then I, I didn't get uh, so much of opportunity, but I earned it. You know, the coach really likes me. He was coming back. So I was like, okay, this is awesome. I felt so excited. And then they just say, nope, we're not going to sign you. So then it's like, okay, now what? So I think another cool thing about sports is you're constantly reinforced with, you know, you have to bet on yourself. It's like, how many people are going to say, no, you're not a good fit for us. We're going this way. And you're not a part of that. And uh, I, I don't think that uh, you get that too many times necessarily that quickly in life, maybe in uh, you know, a regular job, obviously it, it happens in life, but in hockey that can happen, you know, 10, 12 times, you know, every single year, like, okay, now what are you going to do? You know, like obviously in pro sports, it's uh, you're earning a contract every year. So every year you have to prove yourself. So it was uh, another one of those times of like, okay, What are you going to do? And then uh, that's kind of uh, the first time this next stage in your career where you go a long stretch of time where you don't know where you're going to go. Are you going to get a job? You know, Is a team going to even want you? Are you going to have to take a step back? Are you going to have to go play in the East Coast? Do you want to go to Europe and possibly not keep going for that NHL dream? So then all these kind of things are coming up. And at the end of the day, you just got to keep reminding yourself like, what am I doing to get better today? Like that's the only thing I can be doing. And like I said, it's it's about surrounding yourself with those people that keep you focused on those things you can control. And, uh, and then you you get comfortable with the, the unknowns. I remember that was a long time, that whole summer, you know, free agency comes around, no NHL team wants you. You're like, okay, am I going to get an American League deal? And no AHL teams really coming around and you're training, you're doing everything you can, but it gets now at this level where you're thinking about that every day, right? So like, you know, it's not good for you to think about it every day, but it's obviously in the back of your mind, you know, this is your life. This is, you know, what you want. So now you're learning to deal with that. So I ended up kind of right near the end of the getting a a one-way American League deal with uh, Calgary's farm team and felt really good about it. It The the team was in my division. They obviously saw what I did uh, the year before. And here I was like really confident in my ability. I knew I could be a top player in that American league. I'd already proven myself, at least in my mind. So I was like, okay, perfect. I got my my deal. I gotta just go do what I've done the last two years. And then uh, you show up to camp and it's just like, you know, back to square one. Got all your draft picks. Uh, They got all those guys you you thought you were penned in, but you were really still penciled in. And now you're, you know, you're back to where you got to earn a whole new coaching staff. You got to overcome all these things. Uh, And it was very difficult. And I was playing really, really good hockey, but I was in and out of the lineup. I would play really well. I was getting points. I was scoring goals. Like I remember, I think I had like seven points in 11 games playing the fourth line and barely playing. I'm like, what more could I be doing? And I'm still getting scratch. And then I, this was another big like life experience of pro sports. So then on a one-way contract, but they can still send you to the East coast, right? So even though your, your money's guaranteed, but that doesn't mean your spots there it doesn't mean you're going to play. So then they end up sending me to the East coast. I'd never played at that level. And I remember it's kind of a funny story. So we are going back to San Diego, And we were gonna have a rookie party and it was gonna be like kind of a theme party. So I had a Fred Flintstone costume, shorts, sandals, and like a suit to go on this trip. We were supposed to be gone two days. And like, I'm assuming, oh, I'm going back to play my old team. I'm gonna play, you know, I'm doing well. They'll play me against my old team. It'll be a fun trip. So I have just (laughs) Fred Flintstone costume, sandals and a suit. And they tell me, no, you're not playing. And actually we're sending you to Glens Falls, New York. And that's all you get. Like, I was like, oh, well, am I going back to get my stuff? Like my wife's living in Stockton. We have a place and now I'm getting shipped across the country with a Fred Flintstone costume and having no idea when I'm going to be back. So uh, this is kind of the, the, the experiences in pro hockey that make you, is it worth it? Like dealing with all this, right. And you know, some of the unglamorous things uh, you maybe don't hear about pro sports and it's obviously a funny story and but again then you go to a, a league where you get a chance to be an impact player and you play a lot and you do really well like you hope you do well in my case i did well and you kind of fall in love with the game because you know now you're playing a lot you're doing what you love you're getting points teams winning you know we i went to a team the coach was great good group of guys i was doing awesome um so I was there like two weeks and it was kind of perfect timing. My mother-in-law was coming to visit us. And obviously she didn't think she was going to see me because I was in Glens Falls. So she was coming to see her daughter. And then uh, I surprised her because I had gotten called back up. And uh, yeah, so that's just a funny story about how pro sports work, uh, at least in hockey. And so this kind of goes on for that year where the coaches were like, they love me. They loved my work ethic. They told me I was a leader on the team, but I just, I didn't play. It was just, kind of not that fit. And then I got this really cool opportunity. And again, I'll give my wife credit because uh, she was kind of my agent in this deal. And the hockey world's small and uh, the the girl community uh, stays connected. And there's an ex-teammate of mine and she was really good friends with uh, his girlfriend and he was playing in Sweden. They randomly were talking and they're like, oh, weird, our team in Sweden, like we're looking for a forward, we're in first place, like we're looking to move up. So that's how that whole opportunity came about. And uh, I had to evaluate in a very short period of time, like, okay, you know, do I break my contract and go over to Europe and pursue this opportunity? Or do I kind of keep sticking it out and not really get played? And then be in the same spot I was, you know, where are you going to get a contract again? Right. So uh, at that point I was like, there's just so many more, pros to taking this risk there was it was not financially rewarding to to take this opportunity to go to europe but we did all our you know the best you could to figure out what that was going to be and so i went over to this small town in mora in sweden and it was actually uh probably the the best decision and uh ended up going to a great team where had an amazing coach jeremy collington which was the head coach of the chicago blackhawks and went to a team that Great leadership, great coach team was already the best team in the league. You know, I just had to show up and play my game. And, you know, I didn't I didn't have to worry about anything and went over, did really well and got to experience winning kind of my first championship. So we won the league. And then the way it works in Sweden is so we won this team was in the second league. And once you win that league, you have an opportunity to, to play one of the teams in the, the SHL, which was the top league in a, a relegation series. So we had to play uh, in a best of seven series versus Lexen, which uh, would be more as like big bad brother, uh, which was just down the road an hour and away. So probably the coolest seven game series I ever got to be a part of. And uh, we ended up winning. And that kind of allowed me to take a back door into playing in one of the best European leagues uh, there was. And uh, that's how I kind of got my start in Europe.
0: How many years did you play in Europe? And was this now your decision that the NHL wasn't going to happen for you, but this was going to be a great way to, to finish out your career?
1: I would say in the back of my mind, I was like, I had seen a few instances where, you know, guys had gone over to Europe, you know, just, weren't getting that chance in the American league did really well. And were able to kind of come back and get a second chance. Mm-hmm. So my head was very still much like, okay, this is a development. I need to be playing where I can be an impact player and keep improving. And obviously uh, you know, we had just as a team and individually had a ton of success. So just super excited to, to have a contract and uh, come back to the same team and uh, yeah, play in one of the, the best leagues in Europe in the SHL in Sweden. And yeah, my mindset was like, okay, I'm going to now try to be one of the best players I can in this league and kind of see where that takes you. Because I would say in hockey and probably most professional sports, that first contract doesn't mean much. It's that second contract that's really hard to earn and probably the second and third or, you know, whether you're going to have an actual NHL career or, you know, just kind of sign one contract. So I was, I was hoping to, to, you know, prove myself in the European game and maybe have a chance to come back, which never ended up happening, but what it did do was allowed me to have a professional career, which the nice thing about hockey is there's so many different places you can play in the world, make good money playing the game you love and travel the world and have all these amazing experiences. So yeah, I didn't end up earning that opportunity to come back, but, uh, feel extremely grateful that I got to play in Europe for as long as I did. And, uh, yeah, get to play the game. I love
0: how long in total did you play in Europe? And then when did you retire from the actually playing professional hockey?
1: Yeah. So I played, uh, I think five full seasons in Europe. And then, uh, this year I was playing over in Sweden and that's when, uh, obviously everyone this year with COVID got to deal with a whole ton of uncertainty. So I think my hockey career kind of helped me deal with that because obviously listening to my story. There's a whole lot of that, uh, that you have to get used to. And, uh, the reason of choosing why right now is there's a bunch of different factors that came into play. One, my wife was pregnant. So we just had our first child, uh, Bo and he's four months old now. So, uh, this year my wife was obviously pregnant. So that comes with a whole nother uh, set of emotions and the reality that, uh, yeah, I need to provide for my family and be able to, you know, be there for them. And, uh, so that was, a uh, going on in the background and then, uh, After playing the game for so long, uh, I had a couple tough years of just dealing with injuries. And from the injury side, I guess the mental side of it is in pro sports. I think the other thing that's maybe doesn't get talked about enough is, and I I didn't realize this until now, but I dealt with a lot of stress trying to get healthy as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's not like my injuries, you know, stopped me from playing. Like I could. I definitely think, uh, you know, I've come a long way. I didn't have to end my career from a career ending injury or it's not the reason why, but from my mental health standpoint, I realized looking back now that I didn't have that pressure, how much stress there was. And I wasn't consciously there, but like just always thinking like, man, I need to get better now because I need to perform and I need to earn a contract now. And if I don't get better then you know, my next opportunity might not be there. And, uh, as strong as you think you are, uh, sometimes, you know, you don't have that perspective of that's going on in the background of your mind. So I think for me that, uh, had been going on for a couple of years and then, uh, obviously COVID, uh, shocked the sports world. And, uh, the economics of playing without fans is just really not there at the whatever you call it, semi-professional or uh, outside of the NHL and the NBA, like these leagues are reliant on fans. There's not huge TV deals and you know sponsorships that uh, can fund the team. So the money uh, side of it and uh, earning another contract after a tough year was like, okay, I had to evaluate. Uh, I, w- I hadn't earned enough money in my career that, you know, I could just settle, settle. And I knew I was going to have to do something. So I would say going back probably three or four years, every single year, I thought more and more about life after hockey. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I would want to do. But that thought every year, you know, starts creeping up because you kind of see like, yeah, you know, I didn't play in the NHL. I didn't have a seven-year career. You know, I'm going to have to do something when I'm done to earn a living and provide for my family. And obviously uh, coming from a pro career, you want to do something that you're passionate about, that drives you, that you get out of bed. That's like, okay, because, you know, if you if you don't get that from playing a sport, then you didn't make it that far, you know, like, because that's uh, what had been driving me. I got to do what I love for so long. So I knew I started preparing for that as best as one could. Now that's not an easy task. I think that even if you're trying to be as proactive as you can, you'll never feel truly ready till you kind of make that decision. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hindsight's 2020 when you do it. But uh, I guess for my transition from, you know, being a hockey player into life after hockey. The biggest advice I could give people is to just call as many people as you can. Don't be afraid to talk to other athletes that have been through it before. Um, You realize that everyone has the same thoughts, fears, different experiences, you know, and uh, that was super helpful. And then uh, the, the, the most difficult thing, I think from an athlete perspective is it's so clear when you're playing pro sports, what the goal is. You have such a clear aim. I'm trying to be as good at hockey as I can. So for me, uh, like I've alluded to one of my strengths is I kind of have this unwavering optimism in myself. So I knew like for my whole career, like, ah, I don't need to figure out what I'm going to do after. Like I'll be good at it. I'll just do everything I did in my hockey career and everything will fall into place, you know, like I'll just do the same things. But the most difficult thing is okay, what are you gonna do? Because once you have that aim, then it's easy. Everything you learn from your hockey career, you just bring the same attitude, mindset, work ethic, and it's easy. You just show up and you do it. But kind of coming to what you're gonna your new aim is gonna be, I think is a little more tricky. And I think that's where everyone's stories are different. So coming back to my advice is. Think about all your different experiences in your life and what, you know, you're kind of interested in, or what other jobs your friends have done that you think are kind of cool. And uh, even if you don't know someone, get on LinkedIn and ask as many people as you can about what they do, why they do it, what they love, what they hate, how much they make, uh, you know, all these, anything, any question you can have. And then always ask for advice and people like you're doing with me. They love sharing their story and I'm talking and I won't stop talking. It's the same thing when you talk to other people. Uh, so you get amazing advice and then uh, your aim starts getting narrowed down and down and down. And then uh, for me, in my case, uh, I realized I kind of narrowed it down to two, two kind of things that I was interested in. And one was wealth management. And the other one was kind of uh commercial real estate, uh, like loan origination, because I had a a couple of buddies be really successful in that. And both of those were extremely entrepreneurial, client-facing, tons of autonomy. It was very much, you know, if you put in the work, you were going to get rewarded. You weren't limited on, you know, your earning potential. And that's what kind of got me into those. So then when I was talking to people in those fields, uh, what I realized kind of organically was, I was really, really good at talking to people in wealth management. Uh, I could ask them really good questions. I could relate to what their job, what they do, what it was all about. And uh, for me, uh, I would say a lot of my hockey friends just assumed I was gonna be a hockey coach. And the reality about being a hockey coach, uh, sorry, all you hockey coaches out there, but uh, it's worse hours, worse job security, worse pay and the same lifestyle. So I was like, you know what, maybe my coaching gig, you know, I could find a different area or arena to take my coaching expertise to because it's uh, something that uh, I'm very passionate about is helping other people. And uh, in my personal life, I had done things that that really gave me meaning and uh, joy to, to do stuff like that. So, yeah, then uh, after doing that, I realized, OK, like uh, this whole wealth management thing sounds like a perfect fit for my temperament, my personality, what I wanted to do. I knew what it was going to take to get there. I had people in place that had just done it. And then just like that, now I have an aim again, right? So you go from not having something. Now I have an aim and I'm speaking like I've already done it. I'm only, uh, you know, five months into this journey. So I'm kind of speaking, uh, Speaking probably a little too soon, but uh, in my experience, short little experience, that was the case for me. Once I had that aim, it was just like, boom, uh, the athlete in me just came out and everything fell into place. And I had lots of things that I needed to be doing. And then the second piece of advice for me, and uh, this wasn't the same for maybe all hockey players, but my love for working out and fitness was, you know, a big part of uh, who I was. So when I decided that I was going to pursue wealth management, I never stopped training like I was training for hockey, which there was multiple reasons why like one, I wanted to just be healthy to do what I love and enjoy that. But it also just gave me that continuity and that meaning and purpose that, you know, my old life had given me. So I continued to do that. And I had all these goals and uh, yeah, I was able to, to get a job with RBC Dominion Securities. And now I'm well into this next chapter and i have a new mount everest to try to climb and uh yeah it's uh just as exciting and rewarding as uh scoring three goals in a hockey game uh which i think is another thing athletes are like am i ever gonna you know feel that same uh gratification from doing what i'm doing and uh i can't speak for everyone but for me uh it's been extremely gratifying making the first steps in my next career because let's be honest you're a rookie again and it's like playing a new sport you kind of suck at it but every day you're getting better and better so those little wins feel bigger so it's been a lot of fun but yeah that's everything that's gone on uh, as I've switched to life after hockey
0: yeah wow you know you've summed that up really well and you've transitioned us right into what you're doing now and what stands out for me is even when you were in Europe, you just kept thinking, I'm going to prove myself to get back. And then when you didn't get back, you still proved yourself to the end of your career. And now you're right back there. I think some people listening are sort of exhausted from that first climb up the, up the mountain. And now, you know, you talk many times, though, about how you were back at the beginning, right? Every league you get to, every next level you get to. But I think being able to accept that and to know what it takes to, keep, to start climbing again. I think you've given us great advice, and I think not being too proud to ask the questions, not being too proud to say, yeah, I'm at square one. Now I'm going to work like a rookie has to work. Matt, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for your relentlessness. You never let the coaches let you go, you know, in a lot of ways. And and even when they did, you know, you found another avenue. And even now that hockey is, I guess, officially over for you in a lot of ways, you're going to go after it. And I think that's the spice of life. And that keeps all of us going and gives a lot of people listening today encouragement that there's always the next step. There's always another door and there's always something else to go for more more championships to be won no matter what that looks like congrats on all of it
1: I hope my story resonated with some people and I just want to leave you with that never stop believing in yourself and have that unwavering optimism that you'll figure it out and uh, I think just that alone uh, will get you far in this life